Welcome to Noblesville First United Methodist Church. We are so glad that you're here this morning. Wherever you are, wherever you have come from, you are welcome in this virtual space for worship, praise, and fellowship. Glad you're here. And now please join me in the call to worship. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Lead me to your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. Amen. I invite you now to join with me in our call to prayer. Steadfast God, as the seasons change, we see that you are still at work in the world, transforming hearts and situations. Hear our prayer, O Lord. We praise you for all you do to repair injustice and bring peace to places of hostility. Hear our prayer, O Lord. You have shown us the true face of power in Jesus Christ, reaching out with healing and hope for desperate lives. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Fill us with renewed energy and insight this autumn so that we may join in your work to bring justice and joy into the world you love. Hear our prayer, O Lord. At this time, I'll take a few moments of silent prayer, then I'll share in a pastoral prayer. We'll put some prayer concerns up on the screen, and hopefully by your visual uh, seeing those names in print, it'll help you remember them throughout the week and continue to pray for them, not just now, but in all the times that you pause and reflect with God. So let's pray in silence. Lord, we thank you for the challenges you present to us. There are times that you bring comfort and peace. And there's times in which you challenge and call us to a higher standard. We pray that uh, we might have our hearts and minds in, always open to the guiding of your spirit, our willingness to be your people, no matter how difficult that may be. In the world that we live in now, that is very difficult. We see injustice all around us, and sometimes we don't fully yet understand it. We pray specifically for the, the people in Louisville, 
that city and the challenges they face and the racial tensions surrounding the death of Breonna Taylor. We pray for justice. We pray for integrity. But we also pray for peace and understanding. Bring people together and help us through all this find a unity. We pray for our own community. We know that uh, many wonderful things take place here in this city of Noblesville and surrounding area. But we also know that sometimes we come, become complacent with all of the blessings that we have and we fail to look around and look for those persons in need, the vulnerable, those who are challenged. So help us to be sensitive and aware of those in difficult and different circumstances. And we pause just to say thank you that your grace, your forgiveness, the power that your son has shown to us as he gave his life on the cross and the resurrection that followed is something that always gives us hope and encouragement to face whatever we may be dealing with in our lives, be it health, be it relational, or be it the injustices that we see. We pray that we all might seek to grow in our understanding the racial tensions around us, and through that understanding, discover what is it that you call us to do. The one thing that we can do to make a difference and bring more unity and reconciliation to our world, to our community, to our church. All these things we ask in the name of your Son, the one who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread as we forgive our trespass, as you forgive our trespasses, and as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory and the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. This is where I'm gonna stay. There's no place I'd rather be. I'm God with the king of this tree. What could be better? Uh... Oh boy, what a great day. Hi kids, I'm on my way to the park. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, what was that? <laughs> Do you guys hear that? What is that noise? <laughs> Godwin, what are you doing up there? There's nobody in this tree. Go away. Well, for one thing, Godwin, I can see you. And for another thing, last time I checked, trees don't cry. Oh, yeah? Well, what about weeping willows? Oh, haha, ha, very funny. Why don't you come down from that tree and tell me what's wrong? I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just fine. Yeah, you look it. Well, it's, it's just that I... Yeah, Godwin, I didn't quite get all of that. Could you try it a little slower? I've been I've been bad, Olivia. Real bad, and no one likes me anymore. Oh Godwin, it can't be that bad. Well it is! Please tell me, maybe I can help. Well, for starters, my brother Billy and his friends wouldn't let me play baseball with him because he said it wasn't fair because I could fly. And, apparently, I'm too little. And so when they weren't looking, I had all their equipment, so they couldn't play either. Codwin. And then, do you know Betty Sue Johnson? She lives next door to me. Uh-huh. Well, she and her friends called me, well, they called me short. Uh-huh. 
Things like, I know I'm short and everything, but a bird doesn't like to hear that all the time. Uh-huh. So I finally decided to show them that I'm not so small. And every time I see them coming, I'd hide behind our fence and I'd squirt them with my squirt gun and send them running. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and they stopped calling me names, but I was still mad. And I knew that they still thought I was short because, well, I'm, I'm still short. So I decided to get out my water balloons. Oh, God, when that was bad. And they were soaked, too. But that didn't make me feel better either. Well, I should think it's not. Well, so, so this morning... Yeah? Well, Olivia, I never really knew this before, but one of those water balloons? Well, they can hold an awful lot of chocolate syrup. Oh, no. Now, so to make a long story short, when Betty Sue came down the street, she wasn't with her friends. She wasn't? No, she was walking her cat, Fluffy, and... Ew. Yeah, it was pretty terrible, Olivia. Sticky, gooey, everywhere. I thought doing all those things would make me feel better and, well, maybe taller. But I feel so terrible and... You know what else, Olivia? I'm afraid to ask. I've never felt so small in my whole life. Well, it sure sounds like you've made some pretty bad choices, all right? The worst, and I didn't know what to do. So I flew up in this tree and... Here's where I'm staying. I don't have any friends down there, anyhow. Hey, Godwin. I know someone who can help you. I used to do bad things, too. I was mean and selfish. Then one day, I met Jesus. Jesus? I've heard of him. But he wouldn't want to meet me. I'm too bad, and I'm short. Oh, Godwin, that's where you're right wrong. Listen, last week I read this story in the Bible, Luke 19, 1-10, and it reminds me so much of you. It's not even funny. Really? How? Well, there was this guy who lived in a city called Jericho, and his name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus? Yeah, and that's almost as funny as the name Godwin. Yeah, hey, hey! <laughs> well, anyway, nobody in this town likes Zacchaeus at all. You know, he was a tax collector. What's that? You see, back then, and even now, when you buy or sell things or own property, you have to pay money to the government called taxes to help pay for roads and schools and stuff like that. Well, that makes sense. So what's the problem? Well, back in Bible times, most tax collectors were really bad men who not only took the taxes that they were due, but they took a lot more money and it kept it for themselves. What? That's not nice at all! No, it isn't. Zacchaeus must have done that a lot because the Bible says he was rich. Oh, man! No wonder people didn't like him. Sounds like he made a lot of bad choices, too. He did. So anyway, one day Zacchaeus found out that Jesus was coming to his town, Jericho, and he wanted to see Jesus. Wow! So when Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming down the road, he ran to see him, but he couldn't. What? Why not? Well, there was something I forgot to tell you about this guy. Then what's that? He's short. Really? Well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, and there was such a crowd on the road that Zacchaeus couldn't see over them. And all the people were so mad at him because of the bad things he'd done, they wouldn't make room for him. Man, so people are mad at him just like they're mad at me, huh, Olivia? Yep, so Zacchaeus had an idea. He ran down the street the way Jesus was walking, and he climbed a tree just so he could get a good look at Jesus. Oh, man, that's really weird. Starting to sound familiar, huh? So when Jesus reached that very spot where Zacchaeus was hiding in the tree, he looked straight up and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, or I'm going to your house today. You're kidding! Jesus knew his name and everything? Yep, he knew his name and everything. Even though he was such a bad guy? Yep, even though he was such a bad guy. The people around them didn't understand it either. They didn't know why Jesus would want to go to the house of such a sinner. 
What did Zacchaeus do? That's the best part, Godwin. He was so happy to see Jesus and so sorry for all the bad things he'd done that he told Jesus in front of everybody. Here and now, I give half of all I own to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Wow, what did Jesus do? Jesus told him today salvation has come to this house. Jesus saved him as bad as he was. Yep, as bad as he was. And from that time on, Jesus helps Zacchaeus make good choices. Starting with helping the poor and paying all those people back. Huh, Olivia? Exactly. Well, do you think Jesus will help me start making good choices if I asked him to? Godwin, it doesn't matter who you are, big, small, good, or bad. All you have to do is ask Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your heart, and he'll start living with you today. Wow. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Wait right here. And you know what I'm going to do after that? No, what? I'm going to find my brother and give him back his baseball stuff. And I'm going to find Bendy Sue and her friends and tell them how sorry I am and help her wash her cat. You. I mean, that sounds like fun. All right. I'll see you all later. I've got a cat to wash. Good morning. My name is Dale Morris. And I'm Jean Morris. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't see because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. Everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household, because he too is the son of Abraham. The human one came to seek and save the lost. Let us pray. The Lord's may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in seminary in Atlanta, Georgia, my friends and I went to Stone Mountain Park several times because they offered a free laser show most nights during the summer. I confess to you that we did not give much thought to what that park represents. We didn't talk much about the harm it was doing to our African-American friends or classmates. To us, it was just nice, cheap entertainment. Today, though, I feel like we were part of the problem by just being there and supporting what they were doing and representing. And for that, I lament. For those who may not know, Stone Mountain runs deep in the history of Southern racism. Latasha Morrison in her book, Be the Bridge, shares that the land of Stone Mountain came into the possession of William and Samuel Venable in the late 1800s. Samuel later became a key leader in the resurgence of the KKK, and on Thanksgiving of 1915, 15 robed and hooded men of the newly formed Klan met on top of Stone Mountain. 
They built an altar, they read the Bible, and burned a 16-foot cross for all to see as far as downtown Atlanta. For the next 50 years, Stone Mountain was a location of an annual Labor Day cross burning. In fact, it was as recent as 2017 when the KKK tried to gain a permit to reenact the cross burning at the site, which was then denied. The granite face of Stone Mountain is covered with one of the high, largest high relief structures in the world and depicts the leaders of the Confederacy. The monument seems to justify the Civil War and continues to inflict pain on generations of African Americans. Latasha vowed that she would never set foot at Stone Mountain Park again. But 15 years after her first visit, she found herself there invited for an event on racial healing. On that day, hundreds of pastors stood on top of Stone Mountain. They were persons of all ethnicities. White pastors confessed their church's historic complicity and racism. Black pastors confessed their own prejudices, including their own hate and anger. People actually heard one another, extended forgiveness, offered confession, and promised to change their ways. They lifted a new cross on the grounds, not a burning cross of hatred, but a cross of unity representing hearts reconciled to God and to one another. That day was a day beginning, a new beginning of new hope. It was a step toward deconstructing the deep roots of racism, both in our communities and our congregations. It was a day of repentance and bridge building toward reconciliation. Today, Stone Mountain Park continues to advocate for justice and racial reconciliation in a variety of ways. However, its very existence is still cause for uncertainty for many people. We have spent the past few weeks walking this journey together on how we can become bridge builders. We have been challenged to pursue God's heart for racial reconciliation. We began with lament. We then moved on to confession and forgiveness. And today we conclude with repentance and reconciliation. Reconciliation takes us one step further from those other steps. It requires action. It asks something of us. It requires that we change our behavior and set off in a new direction. A communal example of this comes from Canada, whose Prime Minister acknowledged the sins against First Nation peoples in 2008. He recognized the systemic harm and trauma caused by governmental cooperation and even churches. He didn't offer excuses. He took action. A system of reparations was set up to rectify the abuses and still continues today. Canada's commitment to reparation stands in stark contrast to the United States. To this day, our government, and in many places, the church, has made no official attempt to acknowledge the horrific atrocities against slaves, Native Americans, and other people of color. It has never repented, and neither have a majority of its citizens, and that includes churches and people of faith. So what can we do? Many of you have asked, we've heard about this, we've wrestled with it, what can we do about it? We've listened to the stories that have been hard to hear. 
We've learned about stories from our history that have been whitewashed or pushed aside. We have been challenged. We have lamented and confessed. And as bridge builders, we are now called to act. We begin with the example of Jesus who called Zacchaeus, a tax collector and a sinner according to all who knew him. Jesus calls him to repentance and reconciliation. We're not even told what all Jesus said to Zacchaeus to have Zacchaeus arrive at his conclusion to pay back fourfold what he had stolen or his, his decision to give half of what he owned to the poor. We're not told what Jesus said, but we are told that Jesus blesses Zacchaeus, offers him salvation, calls him a son of Abraham, and then restores him to the community. In several instances in the Gospels, Jesus extends acts of restorative reconciliation. He shows us just how far love extends. In the words of Latasha Morrison, we see that Jesus didn't just come to restore individual people. He came to break down systems of oppression, to provide a way for his kingdom to appear on earth as it is in heaven. Through the example of Christ, we are called to partner with him in restoring and repairing those broken relationships and systems. In order to be bridge builders, we have to be willing to grow and mature, to see beyond ourselves and what we have always known, to step out of our comfort zones and to be open to new ideas and new relationships. Bridge builders must be willing to count the cost. Our mission and hope to work for racial reconciliation may cost us time. It may cost us friendships. We may need to make sacrifices and we have to change the way we've always done things. This might look like becoming a part of a group where you would be in the minority. This might look like bringing people of color into your home, building relationships and friendships. This might look like sacrificing your own upward mobility and using your power and privilege for the good of others. Bridge builders must be willing to be educated. Didn't learn that particular story in history class? Read about it. Don't understand what the protesting is about or what the latest story about racial injustice really means? Look at a variety of news sources and engage in conversation. Ask those hard questions. Don't know people of color? Build relationships. If there are no people of color in your environment, then maybe it's time to get out of our comfort zones and change our environment. We are each called to find our own way. For me, it began with the acknowledgement of the ways in which I have just simply ignored racial tensions. Not feeling like I was raised in a racist home, I honestly didn't think that these conversations really had a lot to do with me. I was wrong. Through asking myself some tough questions, by being in conversations with others, by reading books that have been challenging and humbling, and by searching deep within myself, I realize that I have my own work to do. I can do better. We can do better. And beyond that, we can make this community a better, safer, hopeful place for all persons, regardless of the color of their skin, cultural background, or the stories that we all carry. 
I have hope for us that we can all be bridge builders. And by the grace of God, may this be so. Amen. Each week, we like to lift up a ministry in the church that is supported by your faithful giving. This week, we are excited to announce the hiring of our new Associate Director of Family Ministries, Allie Hall. Allie comes to us from Trinity Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and has been working in children's ministries for more than 13 years. Allie will spend the majority of her time and energy with our children's ministry program, but will also take an active role with our student ministry program. And we're excited to welcome Allie to the staff of Noblesville First on October 12th. And we hope that you all will lift her up in your prayers as well as we begin this new journey of partnership and ministry. If you are looking for ways to also get involved with Noblesville First, we invite you to check out the Opportunities to Serve tab on both our church website and Noblesville First app. We have a specific opportunity this week as we are returning to indoor in-person worship on October 11th, and we are looking for just a few ushers to help those get to their seats appropriately and safely. If you are not a high-risk person and you would like to help us with that, we ask you to reach out to the church office or to Bonnie Zickgraff. And now as we move into our time of offering, which is available online through the church app or by mailing a check to the church office, will you join me in a prayer of blessing? God, we do thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to come together as a community while at a distance, still together in worship of your name. We ask that these gifts and tithes and offerings offered this morning would be used for the expansion of your kingdom, the expansion of our community, and the showing of your love to the world. Amen.
Noblesville First. I'm Matt Hanthelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm glad that you've joined us this morning. During his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus listed a number of attributes of people, of those that would inherit the kingdom. We call this list the Beatitudes, and most start with, blessed are the somebodies. In this time of unrest, there's one in particular that I think it's very important that we get right. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. The distinction here is that Jesus doesn't call them peacekeepers, but peacemakers. It's a subtle but important difference. Peacekeepers are interested in maintaining what already exists and avoiding the possible conflict, however possible, to keep the supposed peace that they live in. These are the don't-rock-the-boat people who pine for the good old days. And for those that don't live in peace now, these people come off as enemies because they are trying to maintain oppression that is being felt. In contrast, peacemakers are those actively working to meet the conflict head-on and find ways to fix it. They recognize where there isn't peace and purposefully move to act in ways that can bring peace and reconciliation to the brokenness. Within all things, including racial reconciliation, we are called to be peacemakers. In the time of Jesus, the religious leaders had fallen into being peacekeepers. And when they invited Jesus for dinner, he had this to say to them. Listen to these words from Luke 11, from the message. It says, when we finished that talk, a Pharisee asked him to dinner. He entered his house and sat right down at the table. The Pharisee was shocked and somewhat offended when he saw that Jesus didn't wash up before the meal. But the master said to him, I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun, but I also know your insides are maggoty with greed and secret evil. Stupid Pharisees, didn't the one who make, make the outside also make the inside? Turn both your pockets and your hearts inside out and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean not just your dishes and your hands. I've had it with you. You're hopeless, you Pharisees, frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but manage to find loopholes for getting around basic matters of justice and God's love. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. You're hopeless, you Pharisees, Frauds, you love sitting at the head table at church dinners, love preening yourselves in the radiance of public flattery, but you're just like unmarked graves. People walk over that nice grassy surface, never suspecting the rot and corruption that is six feet under. One of the religious scholars then spoke up and says, Teacher, do you realize that in saying these things you're insulting us as well? And Jesus said, Yes. And I can be even more specific. You're hopeless, you religious scholars. You load people down with rules and regulations, nearly breaking their backs, but never lift a finger to even help. 
You're hopeless. You build tombs for prophets your ancestors killed. The tombs you built are monuments to your murdering ancestors more than to the murdered prophets. They... That accounts for God's wisdom, saying, I will send them prophets and apostles, but they'll kill them and run them off. What it means is that every drop of righteous blood ever spilled from the time earth began until now, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was struck down between altar and sanctuary, is on your heads. Yes, it's on the bill of this generation, and this generation will pay. You're hopeless. You religion scholars, you took the key of knowledge, but instead of unlocking doors, you locked them. You won't go in yourself, and you won't let anyone else in either. As soon as Jesus left the table, the religion scholars and the Pharisees went into a rage. They went over and over everything he said, plotting how they could trap him in something from his own mouth. There are those in this church that are just like these Pharisees and scholars, that are living in the way it's always been, as peacekeepers. They have part of the puzzle figured out, but some of the basics elude them, love and justice. While these teachers and scholars of the law should be judged more heavily, according to the scriptures, Everyone still has a responsibility to learn and grow in the knowledge of Christ and be on his side of the dinner table and not with the Pharisees. This week, the news of the grand jury indictments in the case of Breonna Taylor broke. The indictments were not the justice the family or many following the story expected, as none of the officers were charged in her death. But one officer was charged for wanton endangerment for firing his weapon when he did not have line of sight on the person he was firing at. Now, I understand tensions are high on decisions like this, and anyone following the story at all likely has strong opinions in one direction or another. Regardless of which way you feel about the justice of this situation, please allow me as your pastor to speak these words to you. If your rhetoric about this situation has ever involved an assertion that started with, but she, you are not yet on the same side of the table as Christ in this situation. You are in the crowd, tossing someone they claimed to be an adulterous woman at Jesus' feet, holding stones. And to be clear, I am not saying Breonna Taylor was guilty of anything. I am saying that claiming her death was rightfully due to any of her past transgressions in no way follows the path of Christ. We as Christians are never here to play the what about game. We are to feed hungry people, not vet who is deserved. We are to clothe naked people, not question why they don't have clothes. We are to fight for justice of the oppressed, not search their history for reasons they shouldn't receive it. And this goes beyond Breonna Taylor. Jesus showed again and again that his love was not dependent on the goodness of others. 
peacekeeping tells us to find reasons to justify actions so the status quo is not disturbed. Peacemaking calls us to be okay with turning away from what has always been. On different occasions, Peter, Paul, Silas, and other Christ followers broke the law and were thrown in jail, and God broke them out. The adulterous woman, if found guilty, was to be put to death, and Jesus convinces the crowd to walk away. The love of God goes so far beyond but they're guilty and moves to full, unconditional forgiveness. When we as Christians try to justify anything that happens as okay because they deserved it, we are denying our call and promise to forgive those who trespass against us. Last week, I said that reconciliation cannot happen without recognizing what caused the divide in the first place. Today, as we talk about action in reconciliation, I want to encourage you that you have action to take in becoming peacemakers. Making peace, reconciliation, takes knowledge and time and action. And here are some things that you can do. You can listen to voices of color, follow them on social media, read their books, attend their seminars, listen to what they have to say. You can perform real introspection into yourself to name your prejudices. It's not an easy task, but it's something we need to do. You can internalize the message that Jesus brought good news to the poor and the marginalized. And don't be the Pharisees that heard that message and instead of changing, moved to kill Christ. Many times we say, well, that's not me, but then work to keep the peace we think exists instead of working towards making peace for all people. And create space for reconciliation to actually happen. Listen more than you talk. Accept the feedback you receive from people of color instead of arguing why you aren't wrong. Love like Jesus, which is to say bigger and better than everyone else. And if you listen to this series of messages on reconciliation and think that nothing needs to be done by us, then you and Jesus are still on opposite sides of the table.
A few announcements to bring to your attention. Just want you to know that we have one more Sunday out at Teeter for the services that are at 8.15 and 10 o'clock. That will be World Communion Sunday, so be prepared to celebrate communion there. And be prepared to have some communion elements for those of you that are worshiping online next Sunday. Our indoor in-person worship is going to begin on October the 11th. We'll have two traditional services uh, at 8.30 and 11. You will need to reserve a seat to make sure that we stay within our safety guidelines of 75 persons within that sanctuary worship space. We're working on a family worship experience that will be launched at a later date. Uh, so check out some more of the details that was shared in this week's one-on-one -on -one to see what to expect when we start worship indoors on October the 11th. Uh, we are having a first Friday luncheon and the deadline to register for that carryout meal that comes with that is Monday, September 28th, which is tomorrow at noon. Chef Mike Cowart will be sharing his famous lasagna with sides for $11. And after you pick up your meal on the second, on that Friday, you can go home and watch a, uh, a recording of some music that we've put together featuring uh, the skills of Bruce McMahon, Don and Deb Smith, and Tom Weesey's. That program would be available for anyone, so you don't have to buy a meal to watch it. But mark your calendar for that date and know that with that lunch reservation that you make, we are offering a drawing for a $25 gift certificate door prize that will be announced at the end of that online program presentation. Uh, we continue to celebrate the work of our Noblesville First Crop Walk team. Uh, that group is raising uh, a number of funds for hunger relief here in the community, in our county, but also throughout the world. As of Thursday morning, we had $9,705 raised, which far surpasses our goal of $7,000. So let's go for $10,000 before we're done. Uh, we'll stop uh, uh, raising those funds on Sunday, October 4th, next Sunday. We are having a blood drive on Monday, October 5th from 3 to 6 at the Celebration Hall. So enter through the door on the south side of the church by the football field. And make sure that you know that we do not accept walk-ins for that now because of the uh, COVID regulations. So please go and make your reservation using our Noblesville First uh, online graphic to find the link to make that reservation. The Vineyard is going to be a new way to connect our church during this pandemic and beyond, we believe. So this new developing concept is having a meeting again Monday, September 28th. It's open to anyone at 7 p.m., but it is a Zoom meeting, so you'll have to email me for a Zoom invite. Just email jrairdon at noblesofirst.com or care at noblesofirst.com, and we'll be sure that you get a Zoom invite as we continue to develop this concept and hopefully launch it soon. If you're new to us, see Bonnie Zitcraft for a free gift. Learn how you connect with our Noblesville First Ministries and Faith Community, and she'll either deliver that to your door or she'll uh, have it mailed to you. Just uh, reach out to her by email or call the church office, and we'll be sure you get connected. We now invite you to go, allowing these words from Martin Luther King Jr. in his letter from Birmingham Jail resounding in your ears. I must confess that over the last few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted, devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension to a positive peace, 
which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action. Go making peace through direct action. Amen.